as some of you might know, when I'm not podcasting, I drive for Uber sometimes, weekends, on the way up and back, commuting to and from work, doing all the podcasts that I do all the time. And I do for Uber and Lyft, so I can speak for both. Very interesting, all the things that are going on when it comes to protections and when it comes to the safety for the drivers and the passengers for Uber and Lyft. Most recently, I had to go and do a program series for Lyft that talks about abuse or sexual, any kind of things where you could possibly harm or offend the passengers you have in your vehicle, whether it might be from a sexual standpoint, an ethnicity, diversity standpoint, all of that. Now, it wasn't overly woke. I thought they actually did a pretty good job with it. So it was 20 minutes worth of video you had to do in order to go ahead and continue driving for Lyft. Uber has recently done some more work in terms of their safety features, and they actually just put out an overall report on the different types of things that people are saying are, you know, that really are the detriments to Uber and Lyft as to why certain people will feel like, well, they're always worried about getting to the cars because there are some drivers, I can say, that have been idiots and should not be allowed to go and drive because they are, you know, nefarious. They might sexually assault. They might offend. They might do something stupid when they have somebody in the car, which makes it bad for drivers like me that do a good job and actually are just trying to be, you know, speak when spoken to, be hospitable, and offer where people need to go, where they need to get to go as soon as possible, and just do what you're supposed to do. You know, I'm not all into the whole thing where the typical, stereotypical thing that they have with Uber drivers, make sure you give me five stars. I don't ever do that. (laughs) I've never done that before. The other part is, oh, offering food or drinks or things like that in the car. I don't do that either. I know people do that, but that's also, I've never had that happen to me before and I don't do it myself. I know that's the thing that's like offered and there's an idea that some people do that. No, not to me at all. I'm, what am I, an airplane? No, I'm not going to do that. And then the other part is, uh, you know, if you're going to speak with somebody, yeah, I let the person go ahead and they let me know if they're going to be conversational. If they're tourists or from out of town, they feel like they want to get to learn some things in the car. You know, I learned also to keep music in the car because I like music for myself in the car and I'll kind of just play DJ to the person I have myself in the car with. And sometimes it doesn't matter. It's just like I'll put something on that's good that I think I like. And if I really don't know if that person's caring or not, or if they have headphones on, whatever, earbuds, AirPods, fine. Do what you're going to do. What's interesting is how people use Uber on different, different things. Now, one of the things I don't do is I don't drive a lot at night. I do a little bit. But if I do it at night, this is the whole idea. You know, if you're going to stay out and drive till midnight, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, then you'll probably get some people that will be in the car that will have had a couple of drinks, might be a little tipsy, and they'll be, you know, where they're going to react the way they're going to react in the car on the way to the drive back to where they have to go, whatever destination that might be, another bar, hotel, whatever. And that's, those are manageable people. If it's anybody later than that, most likely, then you're going to have people that are, you know, they're not well with a drink. They don't know how to handle themselves. They can't, they're stumbling around. I've had one person before that actually happened to me before where I actually had the person in my car, barely could move around, actually got wedged and fell into the well of the seats where the legs are in my back seat, where I had to pull the woman up and put her and lock her into a seatbelt so she can keep her in place to get her to where she needed to go. 
Then she started having a little bit of a spitting problem, which I think was on purpose or something like that. She left the stain in the car. I had to report it to Uber. And by the way, if you ever anything stain a person's car by mouth, by whatever, Uber or Lyft, if the if their support is contacted and there is photographic evidence and proof of what happened in the car, then automatically you're going to be penalized for it. Uber offers up to $150. Keep that in mind so do not be an idiot and do something stupid in the car. So it's responsibility for the passengers and for the drivers. That's how it works. It's got to be a two-way street. Now, talking about drunk driving, let's move along to a story I just learned. A couple of different things that were about Uber and Lyft that I thought would be interesting. Uber and Lyft reduce drunk driving and increase overall alcohol consumption. So what happens is, good, people are not getting around behind the wheel and driving. So people don't want to necessarily take taxis, but they feel much more comfortable taking an Uber, taking somebody they feel more trusting to, to drive them home. So here's a new study that actually came out, core77.com, give me a story about this. And It was a study by economists Jacob Bergdorf and Connor Lennon of the University of Louisville, along with Keith Teltzer from Georgia State University. They revealed that ride-sharing services and reduce intoxicated driving. However, ride-sharing may also have negative health effects by increasing alcohol consumption. Yes, so people are going to be much more prone to driving or to getting in the car drunk because they know they can do it. It's the same idea if people got a limo service for, say, like a prom or graduation or whatever, or just some kind of wedding. And, you know, the party that's going to be in the car, they're going to be partying. Yeah, they're probably getting there drunk. So they're going to take the Uber, the Uber driver or the Lyft driver the same way. That's how they're going to react. Now, moving along, they also said in the study that boozing was actually declining in areas before ride sharing arrived. It was established for a couple of years and then started ticking upwards, yielding an 89% increase in the prevalence of heavy drinking. And that's where mass transit exists. And they mentioned this right here, interesting stat, when we focus on areas with relatively weaker public transit options. Well, in Florida, that's pretty much all anywhere because there's not a lot of places that have a bus or a train or something like that. If you're going to go at night, you have to take an Uber or Lyft to get around or a taxi, but who takes a taxi? We estimate UberX is associated with a 17.5 to 21.8% increase in instances of binge drinking. But you know what's interesting about that too? Is that, yes, while ride-sharing services have undoubtedly saved people who have killed themselves in drunk driving accidents, humans would still like to harm themselves and are compensating by abusing our livers. But you know what's interesting too? I can't tell you how many times I've picked up recovery, recovering addicts drugs, drinking, what have you, that take the Uber rides to their step study or their I, the, uh, the, uh, I, the IOP, whatever the, uh, you know, you have to go piss in the cup, your drug test. Or when you have to go to a halfway house, you know, when you have to go to sober living. I can't tell you how many times I've had different passengers that are taking that as well. So in the same way, there might be a habit of having certain people that are taking those rides, but there's nothing against that. Nothing that really feels bad about that at all. I just think it's kind of interesting about that point. The increase of binge drinking, well, listen, if people want to take advantage of it, it's still the same way as on New Year's Eve where people talk about, well, take a taxi or get a, you know, somebody to tow your car to where you need to go so that you're not driving because that's the most important thing. I mean, I'm not going to take away anybody that wants to, you know, 
if anybody has a vice, that's their vice. That's their responsibility. Being responsible enough to know that you're not going to be on the road and harming others is a better way to handle it, at least doing that part. You know, whatever you're going to do to harm yourself, have at it. You want to have more porn in your life. You want to have more sex in your life. You want to have more drinking and drugs in your life. You want to have vices. You want to have more food in your life. That's what you do. You want to harm yourself. That's your, that's your right. That's what you get to do. And certain people can tell you, hey, you know, just don't put it on anybody else. Well, that's what Uber and Lyft are doing. And I think that's what's very important. And so that right there I thought was very interesting. So one of the things, now here's another thing that was interesting as well. The bars are the biggest winners in this story as well. UberX is associated with a 2.4% increase in employment and 2.3% increase in total earnings at drinking establishments. Yay! So you have the people that are driving the cars making money, the bartenders and the bar and the, and the drink, you know, the drink makers also making some money off of there. And it works out. I think it's a win-win situation. Again, it's people that want to harm themselves. It's on them to be more responsible and accountable for themselves or finding somebody that's going to be accountable or responsible for them out of the good of everybody around them. Now, Another story that talks about the responsibility of the passengers. Well, let's go to the responsibility of the drivers. So there's a story from LA Times talking about the Uber's report on sexual assaults and accidents. They offer questions. Some answers more questions. Of course, it's a clickbait article. Anyway, the first ever safety transparency report, an 84-page report, which is available online, it Revealed from between 2017 and 2018, there were 107 deaths during traffic accidents, nearly 6,000 reports of sexual assault, 19 fatal physical assaults. The company published this to publishing this data in May 2018 in response to a series of series of sexual assault claims. Now, it took 21 months to compile an audit, and Moving along, the company says preliminary information shows a decrease in sexual assault complaints in the first half of 2019, but it cautions that there may be ultimately an increase independent of the underlying frequency of occurrence because of new reporting initiatives. So the thing is, yes, earlier this year, Uber promoted new commitment to safety. You now have a button for the passenger on the app and the driver on the app for safety awareness. So if you need to go and find emergency help, you have it. Right there. It's almost like an on-store for you for your Uber or your Lyft. That's a good thing to have. Now, drivers also report assaults at roughly the same rate as riders across the five most serious categories of sexual assault. Remember, these both of these companies, Uber and Lyft, they're very woke. Very, you know, they're very aware of diversity, inclusion, gender, intersectionality. They really give a shit about that. And they want to make sure that all the drivers are cognizant of it. And that's one thing to do a really good job of. But for me, I don't really worry about where anybody's coming from. Listen, your passenger, your customer, you're going to get treated with customer service. The kind of service that you want from me. I've done over 2,000 rides in over two and a half years. 4.92 rating, can't complain. 4.93 or something like that for Lyft. But then I'll get as many rides for Lyft for whatever it is. And South Florida doesn't happen so much. So now the numbers also said this, which is very interesting. And this is unfortunate. But again, this is also having to worry about the people that you have driving your cars and having a better background check if that's the necessary case. 
So, of course, the 6,000 sexual assault claims in 2017-2018 combined, there were 464 non-consensual penetration of rape, 587 reports of attempted rape, and in the two-year period, there were 3,000 complaints of non-consensual touching of a sexual body part. Who are the idiots that are driving these cars that are doing that? I mean, you're absolutely doing, you're taking this opportunity for the wrong reason. And, you know, that's a big problem. Now, in the report, Uber contrasts figures with those of the New York transit system. So the subways and whatnot. Police receive 1,125 complaints of sex offenses in the same period. Taxis seem like a more obvious point of comparison, but the company argues there's no comparable national report in the transportation industry. And that their chief legal officer, Tony West, argues that Uber can't be immune to society's most serious safety challenges, including sexual assault. At the current scale of 4 million daily trips in the U.S., New York City subway system records about 5.4 million weekday riders as of 2018. But now, most important thing, everybody looks at the stories that always pop up, the clickbait, clickbait, clickbait of news stories of showing the problems that have even with Uber riders. Like I, I can see it all the time. Uber driver got kidnapped. The other way I can see Uber passenger got assaulted. I see it all the time. You can just look, Google for it. You'll find millions of results. But Uber's platform ultimately reflects the world in which we operate, both the good and the bad. And they said that they've been the target of the most sexual assault lawsuits. And it wasn't until 2018 that Uber said it would expand its emergency button across the U.S. and globally. And they've been making their changes. They made a lot of things right now. They're now testing cameras. So if drivers know they're being recorded, they won't rape and assault. So Uber now will be able to record and get consent by the drivers to record what's going on in the cars. I'm fine with that. I'm really, I don't like the idea of having to go in like the invasion of privacy, but of of course, if you're working in a car, I'm sure taxis and other transportation vehicles are doing the same thing. Subways probably have it as well. Well then have at it. If they can do it, the technology's there, you know, I'd rather everybody feel safe, but the technology is only going to do so much. You just have to have a better vetting process. You have the right kind of people that are driving and you know, the other thing too is that there's a bit of a thing where the kind of people they allow to drive cars. And one of the things you need to do is, you know, sometimes languages are a little bit of a, a hassle. Or, you know, just a person's background check. If you just see their driving history, you know, they might check a criminal record, but, you know, you're never going to know what opportunities nefariously that people might have in their brain about what they think they might be able to do with having this opportunity, whatever it might be. It's stupid, but. It's unfortunate that's how things are, but not much you can do about that. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Again, when you see the stories right here, Uber and Lyft really, in this whole story, emphasizes the incidents are a small percentage of total rides. Here's the most important thing. 0.0003% of all rides had claims of sexual assault, fatal car crashes, or fatal physical assault. So one of the most safest ways to get around Uber and lift to another scale as well. So, you know, listen, there are safety precautions in place. 
And most importantly, you know, if you feel like you can't trust Uber or Lyft to take you around, then find someone to take you around that you trust. But I, I mean, I take it myself and I pretty much trust anybody I have that's driving for me. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of safety precautions in place. I don't see what's wrong about, about driving for Uber and Lyft or, or for having an Uber or Lyft passenger in your car. For the most part, I might have one or two people that were really just problems. But after that, nothing else. I actually enjoy it. Even after two and a half years, I enjoy doing Uber and Lyft. It's not a hampering. It's not something where, oh, I want to do this. It's I got to go through this just to make some money. No, I enjoy it. I have a good time meeting people. It is nice to do a little small talk. It just, you know, if it's something that where you're just helping out somebody, helping the fellow man, yeah, they're paying for it. But you know what? Um, for all the Uber and Lyft drivers out there, hey, you're going to do better. The rest of your thing is getting tips. I get them. You can get those too. And don't worry so much about how much money you're making. It's on the tips. We This is a tip-related business, okay? It is on customer service. So do the right thing, not by what you have in the car and all this, all the little doodads and trinkets you might give to somebody. No, it's who you are, the kind of person you are in the car. And you know what? Speak when spoken to. Get them where you need to go. Point A to point B. That's what there is. That's their priority. That's your priority. You stick to that. Doesn't matter anything else. You'll get the tips. You'll get the accolades and you'll do very well. And probably average about $15 an hour, which is what I get on a regular basis. Happy driving.